Nighthawks presents Hello everyone and welcome to Nighthawks. Today we will be talking about Ari Aster's debut film starring Tony Collette, Alex Wolfe, Millie Shapiro and Gabriel Byrne. Hereditary. Right off the bat, let's give some background of the film's conception before diving deep into the plot summary and an analysis. Uh, in today's episode, it's pretty special, I have a, uh, a guest uh, from the Hereditary subreddit on Reddit. I just wanted to have some variety and have her on the show, so make sure to stick around if you want to hear that. First, we should talk about the writer and director, Ari Aster. Uh, he wrote and directed two short films before garnering the attention of A24. The strange thing about The Johnsons and Munchausen are both films about families with secrets and grief. Even now, we see some similarities with H.P. Lovecraft from our last episode. The two mainly write about families hiding horrible secrets behind their home walls. The strange thing about the Johnsons chronicles Sidney Johnson, an African-American father who was molested by his son on regular occasions after walking in on him masturbating when he was a young boy. While making the film for his American Film Institute thesis and following film festivals in 2011, he focused on subjects that were seen as taboo, borderline unmentionable and unfathomable, and so the concept of a son molesting his father was conceived. Munchausen follows the story of a boy who begins to pack his belongings for college. His mother, however, has a different plan and instead makes him sick until his son inevitably dies. She does this in fear of being left out of his life. And as I watch these two films, watching the secrets of the Johnsons being burned in the fireplace and as the mother cried for the son that she had killed with her own two hands, it became clear that Ari Aster had begun his journey in cataloging and understanding how families have skeletons in their closets, demons in their minds, and burdens to set ablaze. When Astor pitched the film to A24, it was described as a family tragedy that curdles into a nightmare, and was deliberate in not calling it a horror film. However, he described the film as two halves completely inextricable from each other. These themes of a broken family at its core and a nightmarish horror film seem to be one and the same, and are presented in that fashion as well. The plot of Hereditary is as follows. Annie Graham is a miniatures artist who lives in Utah with her husband, Steve, their 16-year-old son, Peter, and their eccentric and reserved 13-year-old daughter, Charlie. At the funeral of her secretive mother, Ellen Lay, Annie delivers a eulogy explaining their fraught relationship and her mother's extremely private life. A week later, Steve is informed that Ellen's grave had been desecrated, while Annie thinks that she sees an apparition of Ellen in her workshop. At a support group for the bereaved, Annie reveals that the rest of her family suffered from mental illness that resulted in their deaths and how Ellen was a significant figure in raising Charlie. To attend a party, Peter lies that he is going to a school event, and Annie forces him to take Charlie with him. Unsupervised, Charlie eats cake containing nuts, which he is allergic to, and falls into anaphylactic shock. 
As Peter drives her to the hospital, Charlie leans out of the window for air. Peter swerves to avoid a dead deer, and Charlie is decapitated by a telephone pole. In shock, Peter silently drives home and leaves his sister's headless corpse in the car for her mother to discover the next morning. The family grieves following Charlie's funeral, heightening tensions between Annie and Peter, and causing Annie to behave cowardly towards Steve. Peter is plagued by Charlie's presence around the house. Annie is befriended by a support group member, Joan. Annie tells her that she used to sleepwalk and recounts an incident in which she woke up in Peter's bedroom to find herself, Peter, and Charlie covered in paint thinner with a lit match in her hand. Joan teaches Annie to perform a seance to communicate with Charlie. Annie convinces her family to attempt a seance. Objects begin to move and break, terrifying Peter, and Charlie seemingly possesses Annie until Steve douses her with water. Annie suspects that Charlie's spirit has become malevolent. She throws Charlie's sketchbook into a fireplace, but her sleeve also begins to burn. She retrieves it and heads to Joan's apartment for advice, but Joan is nowhere to be found. Annie notices that Joan's welcome mat resembles her mother's craftwork. She goes through her mother's possessions and finds a photo album linking Joan to Ellen and a book with information about a demon named Payman who wishes to inhabit the body of a male host. In the attic, Annie finds Ellen's decapitated body with a strange symbol on a wall written in blood. At school, Peter inexplicably slams his head against his desk, breaking his nose, and is brought home. Annie shows Steve her mother's body and the sketchbook. Annie then begs Steve to burn the sketchbook so that she can sacrifice herself to stop the haunting, but Steve assumes that she has gone mad, accusing her of desecrating Ellen's grave herself. When Annie throws the book into a fireplace, Steve bursts into flames and dies. An ethereal light goes into a horrid Annie, possessing her. Peter awakens to find his father's body. A possessed Annie then chases him into the attic, which is decorated with occult imagery. Levitating Annie beheads herself with a clay wire as naked coven members look on. In fright, Peter jumps out of the window and falls to the ground outside. The light soon enters Peter's body, and he wakes up. He follows Annie's levitating corpse into Charlie's treehouse, where Charlie's crowned, severed head rests atop a mannequin. Joan, the other coven members, and the headless corpse of Peter's mother and grandmother bow to him. Joan, addressing Peter as Charlie, swears an oath to him as Payman, stating that he has been liberated from his female host and is free to rule over them. The coven members bow to Payman in the treehouse, resembling one of Annie's miniature replicas. I am joined with Ashley. Uh, she is someone I met on the internet. That simple. <laughs> but she has some uh, pretty great interest in the movie Hereditary, and uh, I thought that uh, I wanted some variety in the show, and I wanted some other opinions. So, uh, yeah, here's uh, here's Ashley. Uh, can you introduce yourself? Hi. Uh, yeah, I really like um, Hereditary. The first time that I saw it, I really did not like it, and then I watched it again, and I started to understand what it means a lot more. It is obviously a very deep film. It's not like a, a typical horror movie. Uh, the biggest thing for me is that it does not have any jump scares in it, and 
it is it's a very deep film so yeah let's talk about that <laughs> uh did you have the uh the uh the privilege of watching it in the movie theater or did you watch it after uh, yes the first time i watched it it, it was in the theater oh. it was very nice yeah, I, sadly, I, I couldn't, I wasn't able to do that, but uh, but I do own it on DVD, so I am at least happy on that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think my direct response after watching it was like, I need to buy it. I need to just <laughs> have it for myself. Uh, but yeah, this, yeah. yeah. I, uh, the first time I watched it, I watched it with my sister, mm-hmm. and she hated it. And I think the biggest thing that turns people off that don't that aren't able to look into it in a deeper light is its length. Uh, let me look up how long it is because I, I know it's a very long movie. Yeah, I think it just passes Harry, two hours. I think. Yeah, it's two hours and seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Most horror movies uh, are like only an hour and twenty minutes. Yeah, like um, the Blair Witch Project. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, of course. It's a it's a classic. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like that movie. It's a classic horror movie, and that movie's only an hour and forty minutes. Really? It's able wow. to like keep you uh, engaged mm-hmm. for like better for a first time viewer. I think like two hours. That's like the standard for like maybe a longer, like more in depth movie, like like Interstellar, that type of movie. Like a documentary oh, yeah. can be longer. Yeah, that was different. But yeah, it, uh, it's kind of hard for a horror movie to be that long. But this movie, I think, if you're able to read into it and understand what it's trying to say, it is still a good movie for let's just kind of dive deep into kind of like an analysis of it um so on this podcast we mainly just dive into the question what makes a particular medium uh scary what makes it horrifying what makes it uh kind of just creep under your skin and uh, i know that this film uh, like you said it isn't just a regular horror movie it definitely uh has its uh it it's a lot more deeper than that. It isn't just a surface level cliche horror film. It, it tackles a lot of different kinds of subjects. So um, before I get into mine, I wanted to know what what what, what themes did you see um, in the movie that were very prevalent? Um, in terms of the movie itself, I felt like the movie itself was talking about, um, like you said before, grief, uh, family issues. Mm-hmm. But the emotion that I felt while watching it and the thing that scared me was the anxiety of the film. Really? Uh, I, I believe, like, later in the movie when, you know, kind of when the whole, I mean, spoilers, obviously, but yeah. kind of when the whole house has gone to shit mm-hmm. and Peter is the only one left mm-hmm. that is, like, not gone insane. Yeah. Or not possessed, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the part where he wakes up and the mom is, like, sitting in, uh, in the corner of the room on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And that part the camera kind of pans out and it just holds it there for a few seconds when a normal movie a normal horror movie would have just done a jump scare right there yeah I, and the I, whole movie has so much tension built up mm-hmm. and yeah i i think that part of the movie is very very well yeah i i think it definitely um it's a lot more subtle it isn't as in your face it's more of a kind of creeping feeling like how you, uh, like how you described it kind of like a kind of anxious i yeah. think um a main thing that the movie suffers from for normal viewers is uh it doesn't do a very good job of kind of explaining what it's about mm-hmm. i had no idea what the movie was actually about the first time i watched it if you um if you're not really able to tell it's about the cult that uh the grandmother is the leader of mm-hmm. but at the beginning of the movie you can see when they're at the grandma's funeral uh, Tony Collette, the main character, says that she sees a lot of people that she doesn't know, 
and this is obviously the cult. Um, mm-hmm. When Peter is driving the um, the daughter home for mm-hmm. fears of her allergic reaction, on the post that she hits her head on, the cult symbol is there. Yeah. So I, I think mm-hmm. that if you watch the movie, you would definitely have to be looking out for things like that to get your full enjoyment out of it and to get the sense of dread and the long setup that the movie has. Mm-hmm. Because without that, I think you're going to be lost. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking on on the the whole uh, the cult kind of uh, kind of being a whole part of this, uh, I also wanted to touch on the theme that it has uh, on free will. I think that it's it's definitely touched upon, and if anything, it's kind of the whole kind of thesis at the very end of the film is um is this movie any more or less tragic knowing that their actions may or may not have just been not theirs at all it might have just been completely under the control of the cult or maybe they actually actually just kind of fell into the hands of the cult rather than them just not having control over that and i feel like on this podcast we talk a lot about that loss of control or feeling that you just don't have control over your own uh, emotions or your own actions. Um, I feel like this film definitely does uh, get into that a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I think the film does a really good job of that feeling. I, I kind of think that they do have free will, but the cult obviously set up things to be in the way. Like the cult placed the dead deer in the road so that Peter mm-hmm. would swerve and hit the post. The yeah. cult was the one that supplied the peanuts at the party so that she would have the allergic reaction mm-hmm. i mean of course the whole thing is is uh the grandmother dying and how they're very distant from her and so they don't really feel that that uh that kind of shock wave of grief or that shock wave that usually goes through a family after a loss but i feel like in in this movie the shock basically the whole rest of the movie is that quote-unquote like shockwave that happens after the grandma's death with the cult uh you know her influence that she used to have when she was alive is if not controlling their 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 lives uh, after her death oh yeah i i believe um the main character uh tony claude even mentions that mm-hmm. she has, their grandmother is dead and she's still controlling their lives and yeah yeah i feel like sometimes it, it is like that though um one of the themes they talk about uh like uh, like uh, you had brought up was was grief and i think um one of the biggest parts of kind of going through grief is feeling like it does take over your uh daily life i'm uh, i'm not sure it's a pretty common feeling towards everyone is is that they they at least feel grief once or twice whether it be kind of like a shallow grief that they have like for the uh, grandma or a really deep grief uh, to the point where she was keening for uh for charlie you know it was like there, there's such a range of of how that grief affects your life and i feel like this movie of course talks about uh how grief can pretty much have a death grip on someone's life uh yeah that i think that's very true it is kind of felt like very little with um when the grandmother's initial death like uh tony collette talks about you know not feeling normal but feeling normal feeling like she's supposed to feel something yeah but it but she can't when um when charlie's death happens that when she feels a loss of control from her life and you know not being able to handle anything anymore she i mean she even gets to the point where the character that introduces her into summoning the uh the demon payment mm-hmm. or um louis uh, yeah louis yeah uh the, the grief that is caused by charlie's death and her not being able to live her normal life not being able to use her escape of making the miniatures mm-hmm. like we see in the movie Nicola is making 
their uh, their daughter into a miniature uh, when she died, because that's how she copes with things. And she runs mm-hmm. out of art supplies, so she gets to go go get more because she needs that to grieve. Mm-hmm. And that's how she runs into Joan, and then that kind of kicks off the events of the events of the possession part of the movie. I I never even noticed that. That's actually wow. All right, wow. That's <laughs> I didn't even pick up on that. That's a that puts a lot of things into a different kind of perspective there. Yeah, like I said, um, this movie is very, very deep, mm-hmm. uh, there, which is probably why I didn't like it so much. Because <laughs> when we, um, when I saw it originally, mm-hmm. I I was expecting like a scary movie. But, yeah. I mean, this movie is it has a few things that like actually give me shivers, but I think it's more of a thriller than a scary movie. Yeah. But, I mean, it's all it's obviously still horror. Mm-hmm. I think my initial response while watching it, I knew it was like a scary, kind of very eerie movie, and knowing, uh, kind of watching a bunch of other uh, A24 films, kind of watching it, assuming that it was going to be something that I knew was going to affect me, it wasn't until the half hour mark when Charlie's head gets brutally decapitated by a pole that uh, my my view of the whole movie completely changed and for the rest of like the hour and a half i had no idea what direction the film was gonna go in yeah and i want to go back to talking about the horror in the movie and how Mm -hmm. it's not very present uh a few scenes that come to mind that like directly scared me was when um peter was in the attic and you heard the banging on it Mm -hmm. and you think it's her gonna be on the ladder but it's her attached to the ceiling banging her head in on the in on the um the attic uh stairwell door yeah and that really shocks you um also when peter's mom tony collette is hanging from the attic and she starts using a a clay cutter to cut her neck and Mm. decapitate herself that's another really good horror scene in the movie and that scene actually directs to the ending of the movie Mm. where they have to decapitate the host for payment to yeah, I, I, another thing that I, I didn't notice until I'd read it was um, the, the crown that they give uh, Peter, I guess, payment at the end, uh, was actually made from Charlie's body's skin. I, I didn't even know that and just kind of imagining this whole family, I mean, they all kind of have this big role in the, in the treehouse. You know, there's a there's a the grandma and then Annie both decapitated. So uh, I feel like that is also a visual uh, visualization of the fear that Annie had, which was kind of becoming like her mother. She didn't want that. She very much distanced herself uh, from her mom, even from the family. But at the end of the story, she basically became the biggest help in getting them what they wanted. The movie definitely comes. It's a very abrupt ending. And, oh, yeah. uh, the ending part of the movie is just it's Peter waking up getting chased out the house mm-hmm. uh, and then he kills himself and he's possessed and then the movie ends mm-hmm. it, it's very abrupt it's not like um, I, I think it's an issue of the Blair Witch is that 40 minutes of the movie is them bre- like staring at a camera going oh I'm so scared <laughs> when um, Hereditary is able to do all that in 15 minutes oh um, yeah yeah and that entire scene, when he's going through the house, is filled with a lot of really good horror scenes that are just pure creepiness. Mm-hmm. Like when um, the cult members, the naked cult members, are just sitting in the shadows. You can barely see them, and they're just sitting there watching Peter. And oh, he can't yeah. do anything about it, and they know his fate, but he doesn't. He's just so scared and terrified 
and he's just trying to survive, but they know what's going to happen to him. And you expect mm-hmm. that. that. That's also another message of the movie is that how um, Charlie, the daughter, mm-hmm. was the firstborn, and they needed a male body to um, possess. Yeah. And then that, and then they had a the son, Peter. Mm-hmm. And that also is reflected in the movie where the whole movie are with the female main character. Uh-huh. And then at the end, it switches to the male character because that's what it, that's what payment needs to possess is the male body. Yeah. But uh, it does a very good job of being different because mm-hmm. in most horror movies, either everybody dies at once or one character makes it out alive. And yeah. this movie does a very good job of making you think that Peter is about to live, mm-hmm. but he does not. I, I think the biggest thing that the biggest way that grief transforms the movie is just the surprisals of it with um like you said I mm-hmm. think Charlie's death is just completely unexpected oh um, yeah unfortunately I was spoiled on that when I first saw the movie mm-hmm. but I imagine someone that hadn't seen the movie before it and was just watching um, you think you think they're going to be going to the hospital to get a shot or something mm-hmm. or to get helped but it she just she's just killed when she is presented as the main character of the movie previously. Oh, yeah. And that just really changes what you're thinking and how the movie was going to be, um, how the movie is shown to you. Mm-hmm. And I want to um, branch that off into another topic. Um, mm-hmm. The music in that scene is really good. Yes, I was... And I uh... think the music throughout the whole movie is really good. Uh, an issue that a lot of horror movies um, fall into is having the music orchestrate the entire scare. Mm. Um, I don't know if you're uh, into video games, but there's a scary mm-hmm. game called Outlast. And in that game, when you get grabbed by the creatures or whatever, it plays an extremely loud string of music. And if you take that way, it's not scary at all. Mm-hmm. And Hereditary does not really fall into that issue. It's music more of assist the scene and doesn't direct it. Mm-hmm. It's not like loud blaring music. It's low, long strings that yeah. terrify you and make you feel the presence of the spirits mm-hmm. uh, the last shot of the movie by the treehouse the music in that scene is just beautiful oh yeah it really does complement the atmosphere of the movie very much iconic at this point i think are you familiar with uh, colin stetson he's the guy that does the, the music uh in it um with his other music mm-hmm. uh hereditary blue caprice i'm trying to see because i am um, i'm very into movie scores so no, no you're fine oh yeah, he's um he's in Red Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Red one. Dead too. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Oh, now that I think about it, yeah, I, I could definitely tell that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I've I've um. I've been a fan of his uh, for a while until I uh, when I saw the movie. It wasn't until the the credits when I saw his name when I realized that it was him doing the music and I kind of appreciated the film so much more. Um, but what's interesting about him and how he writes his music is. Uh, he's mainly just a saxophonist. He mainly only plays saxophone, and a lot of like the quote unquote drum beats that you hear in the, in the soundtrack is just the saxophone uh, valves just opening and closing over and over and over again. Oh yeah, the yeah. The, uh... Oh, he also did Mother, which was <sighs> that was a very interesting horror movie. That's actually on my watch list. I did not know he made the uh, soundtrack for that. Wow. Uh yeah yeah, it says he's credited. And it, it doesn't, I don't know if it's full. Okay. Um, man, uh, really off topic, but I, uh-huh. no, you're fine. I, I just cannot stand that movie. I, it is so over the top for me. 
Really? I, I think Hereditary does a much better job of having a, a more subtle, a larger message okay. than that one does. Really? Okay. Interesting. But, I'll definitely... Yeah, back on the topic with um, the music yeah. of Hereditary. Mm-hmm. It's very, very good at direct, um, like assisting the scenes mm-hmm. and helping you understand what's going on in the movie and when it's happening. Mm-hmm. Like when Peter is getting stalked through a the house at the end of the movie mm-hmm. it could be dead wrong but i don't think there's any music there and so it goes from a scary like in like Silent zoomed almost, in, yeah. scary experience with no music just mm-hmm. him trying to survive and then the final score of the movie which is those long strings mm-hmm. of just really good like tense music oh yeah and just the music in this film is just really good i i actually listened to it Mm-hmm. Um, the soundtrack, I just listen to it casually. Yeah, same. And it really, every time you listen to it, it brings you back to the movie and it gives you the mm-hmm. tense and um, anxiety of the film. Yeah. And so I think it definitely, mm-hmm. the music in this movie definitely helps out a lot. Oh, yeah. I, I, I definitely think that if it's one of those films that if the music was removed from it, it would very, like how you said, it would be very much a different uh film atmospherically uh you know like the the music is especially in the end it's very majestic very royal you know oh yeah it's very like royal and Uh heavenly and it i mean it feels like a cult is summoning a demon that's what it feels like (laughs) yeah yeah um Um, have you ever seen um john mm -hmm. carpenter's the thing oh yes oh my god that is uh yeah the music in that movie also feels very similar where it's like got this Mm-hmm. deep uncoming atmosphere of like anxiety and horror mm-hmm. um like the beginning of the movie the thing it's just got those dun dun, it's just yeah. got that which is <laughs> to symbolize a heartbeat mm-hmm. of uh, the thing being alive yeah. and i think that relates to hereditary how at the end mm-hmm. it's just this royal like you said royal yeah. heavenly music mm-hmm. that just symbolizes that the task that the cult has been trying to complete is now finally done yeah it's and, yeah it's almost like yeah. A, it's uh when i hear heavenly i always think of angels and when i always think of angels i always think of lovecraft i always think of just these very undescribably hauntingly beautiful things and that's the i think that's the best way to describe this music is just oh, yeah. hauntingly beautiful is yeah. a great way to describe it oh, oh yeah um it's a, it is very mm-hmm. hard to describe it but it is hauntingly beautiful because if I was in my car and I heard that on the radio, I'd be like, what the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> but it is very, very good at just being mm-hmm. like, wow, what is this? It is it is good. It is something else. At yeah. <laughs> orchestrating the feeling you're supposed to be feeling and yeah. having a haunting tone yet still sounding so great and mm-hmm. beautiful. But that's my favorite part about the hereditary soundtrack is... Mm-hmm it's scary but it's not just loud bangs and music it's actual music and it's an actual orchestra Mm -hmm. and yeah i feel like it's also very unique to the film i don't think any film will really have that sound in it you know what i mean like yeah i am i think that's part of why revisiting this film i enjoy it so much is the score yeah um i i'm a very big movie nerd i love analyzing movies and Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things to do is analyze the music in them Mm -hmm. because i feel like a lot of normal people don't even really acknowledge the music that's happening yeah um like you said you've seen interstellar right oh yes i love the soundtrack to interstellar i love it so during when they're on the water planet and you hear the ticking Mm -hmm. that ticking is actually a day passing on earth 
Um, oh, really? So that, like, you don't even realize it, but that ticking gives a feeling of anxiety. Oh, yeah. It, it does sound like a counter, so you know what, like, something's about to happen. Yeah, like, and you also and, know it's, like, this is a very time-sensitive planet, so every second that passes, you're, like, you're... Yeah, tension yeah. is a really good way to describe it, and my heredis- mm-hmm. hereditary soundtrack definitely has tension. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, in... that is... A very big part of the soundtrack mm-hmm. is tension. I think a part of the soundtrack as well, like kind of in the end, uh, is that kind of very kind of royal, like very slow kind of um, uh, clarinets, uh, saxophones coming in. It's very slow, but it still builds that tension. And I feel like that's it's a very difficult task to do. And I feel like they did that so well, where it's a it's such a short scene, and with such a short song somehow rose the tension from almost like a like a a hundred and then went to 200. <laughs> I think the part that's most interesting is um that scene at the end uh just, just I want to hear your guess how long do you think that scene is at the end with that music with that royal music you said? I think it's like five minutes at least like of the whole movie. Five minutes? Yeah. Here's the thing it's 55 seconds but it feels so long oh because God. of how haunting and creepy the music is. Wow. And it's able to do all that emotion within 55 seconds. It is, it's great. That's insane. That is really insane. Well, I, I definitely give, I definitely give the, the filmmakers prop. I could definitely tell that this is a movie that was made with so much care and so much precision. Um, earlier in the podcast, you brought up A24 films. Is this an A24 film? Yes, actually, yeah. Or I didn't know that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've tried watching other movies. Um, I tried to watch The Lighthouse, and while I was able to appreciate it, it just kind of went right over my head. I didn't really get it. Really? But this oh. movie is definitely way better at uh, doing, giving a message. Yeah, I think I think The Lighthouse is more of kind of a. I mean, from what I've heard from reviews, I haven't seen it yet. It is on my watch list, tonight, and I really do want to watch it. It's been on my watch list for like forever. But um, from what I've heard, it's it's. Um, Almost like its own genre, without being too much of a horror or too much of a, because there's a lot of comedic oh, yeah. I mean, and stuff. I mean, The Lighthouse yeah. is definitely not a horror movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's a dark thriller. Really? Okay. Yeah, um, I think that's something that somebody might not pick up on their first viewing. I definitely did it, but just how important the um, aspects of family are and how mm-hmm. much the family impacts the movie. I don't know how I saw it, given that the title is even called Hereditary, <laughs> which is a family-based word. Yeah. But, yeah, the, the feelings of family is very strong here. Mm-hmm. Like um, I said, you don't really get a feeling of who the main character is, and that's because it, there really isn't one. Mm-hmm. Everybody is, like, focused on, and they all have their own plot. Mm-hmm. The only character I'd say that isn't um, directly involved is the dad. And that is yeah. because he is not hereditary. He is outside of the family. Oh, yeah. While the two children are born from the mother. Mm-hmm. But he has no blood relation to um, Tenicola and the grandmother. Yeah, that is true. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I like that. Um, overall, I just think that this is a, a really good movie that anyone that is able to look at movies into a deeper sense can enjoy. Mm-hmm. And um, I would... Uh, here's how I think I should you should watch it. I think you should watch it once, and then go watch an analysis of it, mm-hmm. or read an analysis of it, and kind of have it explain things to you. Yeah. And then watch it again, and you'll start to notice those things, and notice more things, mm-hmm. and you'll appreciate it way more. 
that's what I did. Like I said, the first time I watched it, mm-hmm. I did not like it. Mm-hmm. I went home, I watched um, YouTube videos on it, and like kind of explaining <laughs> yeah. things I didn't see. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it turned into my um my favorite movie of 2018. Oh, an overall just good movie. And if I, uh, I don't know why you'd be listening to this if you haven't finished the movie, <laughs> or if you haven't seen the movie, but if you're listening to this now and you have not watched it, you need to go watch it. It is very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. I, I, I think that um, it's the same here. It's a, it's a movie that um, I feel like is very personal to anyone. Uh, maybe the maybe not the first, but maybe the second or the third time they watch it. I feel like the more they watch it, um, the more they not only appreciate the film, uh, but also some parts that they might not have thought were scary kind of show their true colors and kind of also become a lot more scarier uh, because they're paying attention to stuff like the music or because they're paying att- attention to the stuff like uh, how the shots are made or or the acting in particular and the writing. Um, I think it's, it's a movie with lots and lots of layers. And I think as his first theatrical debuts, oh my God, it was a, uh, it was a very, it was what I think horror should aspire to be. Oh yeah, definitely. I I think that this is a good example of how to make a horror movie and how to make it be um, not boring, I guess. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, if you didn't know this, like horror is the budget genre. It's the genre that like cheap movies get made in because they typically do well. Mm -hmm. They can typically be low for like low budget. Like, that's why Paranormal blew up. Paranormal Activity blew up. It was made for, like, $30. Yeah. <laughs> and pulled in millions. Mm-hmm. And then that sparked this whole uh, thing of making cheap horror movies. And A24 does that really well. And The Lighthouse had a low budget. Mm-hmm. I mentioned Hereditary it was pretty big. It, it, it seems like it would be. Yeah, it but, seemed a little bigger, I think. But yeah, the, this movie definitely stands out from horror. Mm-hmm. If, if you're one of those people, there's a lot of people who just straight up don't watch horror movies, whether it be they don't enjoy it or they get scared. I think that you need to watch this. It's it's not like other horror movies. It's it's worth it. If you haven't seen it and you like deeper films, then, then go watch it. I mean, that's all I can say. I can't say anymore <laughs> without spoiling it, which we already have. Yeah. But I... if, if you skip to the end to just hear like our closing thoughts, then yeah, just, just go watch the movie. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, Have a good night. Films are reflections of real life. And I think that if you watch a horror movie and realize that the people you are watching are much like yourself, you would feel uneasy. There's that intimacy broken there. The keening of Annie might remind you of your mother's death, the death of your own daughter. Peter standing idly by might haunt you because you stood there and did nothing while your mother cried in her room, screaming about how she just wants to die. You might feel like Steve, waiting until everything goes away, wanting everything to resolve itself, hoping that your fears go away, but they don't, and they won't. They'll kill you instead. I think that this film effortlessly shows the underbelly of our family that we're afraid to discuss and talk about, as the rest of his filmography will show and has shown over the past few years. As long as Ari Aster keeps touching those subjects that make us uncomfortable and shed them in a human light, 
he will continue to be a Goliath in the film industry. Now, the discussion is not over yet. Make sure to listen to part two next week right here. We will be discussing Midsommar and connecting the two films. That was my analysis on the themes of Hereditary and why it is such a terrifying movie. If you like this episode of Nighthawks, make sure to follow us on Spotify and to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Good night, Nighthawks, and make sure you read something that'll keep you up at night.